And the number one, 888-990-9646. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator, fight for my LTD, a couple websites that are really handy, really cool, and something you need to have on your desktop or your tablet or your phone uh, at all times to check them out. We'll get to uh, all that, but first, we always do the week that was. Uh, my friend, how are you? I'm very good, John. Let's good. start off with uh, a flurry of activity that uh, I saw this past week on one of our main websites, mydisabilityquestions.com, a free website where you can just post your question about your long-term disability, and you'll get an answer from me within minutes. So let's start off. Uh, this question came from Anna in Ottawa, who, by the way, commented that uh, she loves the show, uh, which is very nice to hear. Uh, her question was, She says, my sister is suffering from a mental health condition and was seen by the insurance company's psychiatrist Mm. who prescribed a certain dosage of medication. My sister's doctor prescribed a lower amount and now the insurance company has cut her LTD for not following the insurance psychiatrist's uh, treatment plan. So her question is, must claimants follow the insurance company's prescribed treatment and ignore their doctor's advice? This is a fascinating uh, question because I often see uh, situations where the insurance company will send the claimant to their doctor and there's going to be a disagreement, Mm -hmm. not not generally a complete disagreement, but some disagreement between the treatment um, uh, plans that the insurance doctor provides and the individual's own treating doctor. And my answer is always do what your treating physician is telling you to do. That's the person that's treating you. That person has seen you more than just for half an hour or an hour on behalf of the insurance company. I don't think that the insurance company has any right to demand that this lady here is uh, that she has to essentially tell her own treating physician, psychiatrist, I'm not going to listen to you and I'm going to listen to the uh, insurance company's doctor. Now, what I think that the insurance company ought to have done here, I think what would have been reasonable is for the insurance company to request that their psychiatrist get in touch with her psychiatrist so that the two doctors can talk amongst themselves and figure out what is the best treatment course. I think that would have been reasonable for the insurance company to simply say, you are not following the recommendations of our defense psychiatrist who only saw you for a fixed period of time on our behalf, I I think is ludicrous. I think it's something that will never stand up in court if it gets challenged. And I invited this lady to have her sister contact me because I think that uh, we can definitely reverse the insurance company's position or if they don't, start a legal claim immediately and force the insurance company's hand and get her a settlement that compensates her uh, for uh, the LTD uh, uh, payments that mm-hmm. she ought to be receiving. It doesn't sound like a tough one. No, to it, it, no, it, it doesn't. But, you know, it, it always boggles my mind when I see these scenarios and I'm thinking, who is making these decisions for the insurance company? And, you know, for people out there who are listening and wondering this themselves, listen, yes, insurance companies are bureaucracies, but at the end of the day, these adjusters and case managers are human beings and they make mistakes. The problem is, and this is where I get very frustrated and angry, is when I see a situation that could easily be rectified, such as in this instance, why not get the two doctors to talk? Mm. I mean, that's really the best thing for the individual, the claimant herself, who is suffering from this mental condition, right? And what did the insurance company think was going to happen if they cut her off? They thought that she was going to get better by doing that? All they did is just open the door to a legal claim that's going to force their hand and they're going to have to pay down the road a lot more than they ought to have paid had they done it correctly. one 990 9646 What else we got? 
All right, well, here's another question uh, that came into MyDisabilityQuestions.com. This one came from Roberta in Aurora, and uh, she wrote, Hi, I was approved for LTD for 24 months under the own occupation uh, test uh, in April for Crohn's disease. The insurance company is already telling me that they want me to start a gradual return to work. She's asking, can they do this? Also, she writes, my employer first said that they couldn't accommodate me, and now they said that they can provide a different position, not the same position that I've held for 16 years. Can my employer do this? And again, I'm reading this out. This is an actual question that's posted on the website by this lady because, you know, we talk a lot about the intertwined uh, world of LTD and employment law and how we have lawyers at our firm that really focus on both areas. And it's so, so crucial because we can provide advice on both areas at the same time in parallel, as opposed to a person going to one lawyer who does employment law in one firm and then another lawyer in another firm that does LTD. So to answer Roberta's question, number one, can the insurance company uh, tell her to try a return to work uh, program? Well, yeah, they can tell you that. But really to counter that, if you don't feel that you can do that, is simply get a report from your treating physician or physicians that tell the insurance company that due to your ongoing disability from Crohn's disease and whatever else, you're unable to continue, um, sorry, to start a return to work program. Now, she had mentioned the 24 months on occupation test. So let's clarify that for those out there who uh, are not uh, aware of of what this means. In long-term disability uh, cases, policies, uh, the criteria for getting long-term disability for the first two years is can you do your own okay. test? Uh, sorry, your own test, your own occupation. It's called the own OCK test, okay? Can you do your job, basically? To get beyond the 24-month uh, mark, the two-year mark, the test then becomes broader. You have to meet a more uh, ex- expensive criteria, let's say. Mm-hmm. The question then becomes, can you do any employment for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? And, you know, what that means essentially is not can you do your own job, but can you do any other job for which you're suited for? And oftentimes that is when the insurance company starts gearing up to cut people off because what the insurance company is saying is we think that you can go back to a different kind of a job. Uh, and, And, you know, oftentimes people get cut off. And, and I'll tell you, John, I mean, I've seen a lot of these cases and reviewed a lot of the medical documents, and I think that uh, insurance companies oftentimes are trigger happy uh, in these instances and should not be cutting people off at the two-year mark. But they do that because they think that they have uh, the ability, they think that perhaps the medical documents don't support right. uh, the ongoing uh, disability. We'll take a, a short break at some of your emails as well. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And we'll get to the injury calculator as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. one 990 is the number. You want to email it as help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Finish off that last one we were talking about. There was an injury component and an employment component as well. Right. right. There's an employment question that uh, Roberta had asked. And, and what she asked is, Uh, She said that her employer of 16 years initially said that they couldn't accommodate her, and now they're saying that they can provide a different position, but not the same position that she held for 16 years. And that's one of those uh, types of questions that you, John, and Lior, my partner, uh, oftentimes discuss on the employment hour. Uh, And again, I've urged Roberta to contact me. I'll put her in touch with Lior and his team. Uh, But generally speaking, 
when you are on disability, the employer can't just let you go, and yeah. they have to keep your job open for you for a reasonable period of time. And when you come back, they have to keep that position open for you. Uh, but with respect to the specific ca- uh, facts of Roberta's case, I'm going to put her in touch with one of the employment lawyers, and we can help her on both the LTD and the employment front. Give me some details on the injury calculator. It's a fantastic tool. Uh, it's a tool that we created a few years back, and what it does is it allows people who've been injured through no fault of their own Uh, car accidents, slip and falls, to figure out off the bat how much is my injury worth from a pain and suffering standpoint, right? So I slipped and fell on ice, I broke my ankle, I tore my shoulder, broke my back, whatever it is, I want to know, does it make sense for me to start a legal claim for compensation against whoever was at fault? And often when people get injured and they call up lawyers, they get lawyers, so you get two sides of the spectrum. On, on one side of the spectrum, you get lawyers who are going to promise you the moon. We're going to tell you, oh my God, you're going to get a million bucks for this, right. okay? No, that's nonsense. They can't assess that. First of all, no injury in Canada can actually reach that level unless you're dealing with other heads of damage. We'll talk about that a bit later. We're talking just about pain and suffering. So you have these lawyers who promise you the moon. Be very careful about those lawyers. Then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the lawyers who are very hesitant uh, to tell you anything. You know, what they will tell you is, well, I I can't really tell you what the amount is. It depends on this, on that. Mm. The truth is somewhere in the middle. And why do I say that? Because what the injury calculator does, it's a database of cases, legal cases from across Canada where people who have been injured went and litigated their case all the way to judgment. And so you have a ton of cases out there that uh, where, where judges have said, you know, an ankle injury like this one, uh, the individuals should be getting X amount of dollars for their pain and suffering. For a torn shoulder, they get right. this. For a hip, they get that. And so what we did is we inputted the database with an algorithm so that when you go to the website, you are clicking a few click menus. You're telling the calculator what kind of injury you suffered, easy. how yeah. severe it is, right? And keep in mind, it's anonymous. And then at the end, the program goes through the cases it has in its database and then shoots out a range and tells you for your broken ankle, according to our review of Canadian case law, you can be looking at X dollars to Y dollars, you know, thirty to $40,000, for yeah. example. Uh, for a broken hip, you're looking at $90,000 to $120,000, okay? Just an, an example. But remember, that's only for pain and suffering. And this program allows you to figure out those quantums. But maybe because of your injury now, you can't work, John. Well, you're going to have to get in touch with me. And that's why there is a button at the end of the calculation there. The calculator allows you to get in touch with me if you want to. I can tell you more specifically about the other heads of damage, right? If you have out-of-pocket expenses, if you have people helping you, what else can you get in addition to the pain and suffering? Injurycalculator.ca, the number uh, 1-888-990-9646. What else we got going on as far as cases are concerned? Well, uh, we have that other website that you had mentioned, uh, which also has beginning a lot of activity, fightformyltd.com. Uh, and again, a fantastic website because it really, uh, what it does is it presents five questions to you uh, if you've been cut off or if you have been denied LTD. Mm-hmm. And when you input the information for those five things and press send, I get that email and I can tell you fairly quickly, literally within minutes, if you have a case. Pretty cool. If, if you can, in fact, challenge the LTD insurer. So let me uh, pull one of those uh, submissions. I'm not going to say the name of the individual. Uh, I'll tell you that one of the questions is, how old are you? So this lady is 58 years old. Uh, the second question is, have you been denied or cut off long-term disability? She says, I will be cut off in August. And then there's a question, what is the nature of your disability? She writes, I had two total knee replacements wow. and I have depression. Um, 
do your doctors or treatment providers support your claim for disability? She says, yes. Uh, and then, of course, I ask, uh, why is it that uh, they've, they've denied or cut off your LTD? And uh, she answers, well, because they don't think that uh, I qualify. So, you know, just based on the information I have here, uh, clearly I'm looking to see whether or not the person's doctors support the claim for disability. Are your doctors saying that you're unable to work? I mean, this seems very simple, right? The analysis yeah. is more complex, but at least it gives me an idea. Because some people come to me and they say, well, I think I should be getting LTD. And I say, well, do your doctors support you being off work? And they say, well, no, they don't. They think I can work. Well, then we have to figure out why right. it is they're saying that. But just from those simple questions here, I've already advised this lady, yes, I can definitely help. Let me see the denial letter from the insurance company. Let me see the medical records. Let me see the policy. Again, it just takes me a few minutes. We don't charge for this service. You know, and at the end, when we tell you if you have a case or not, and you uh, can make an informed decision as to whether you want to proceed or not, that's, that's something that we're happy about. We're happy about the yeah. fact that we've given you this information. At least now you're armed with this information. Don't simply assume that because this you know, mega insurance company is saying that uh, you're not entitled to this money, that that's automatically the truth. It's not. It's often a poker game. The insurance company simply assumes that the majority of people out there will not fight back. And the surprise to those people out there who do fight back is that oftentimes the insurance companies suddenly turn from denying the claim to talking settlement nice. of the claim. Fightformyltd.com. Have a look when you got some time. one 990 The email address is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a bunch of emails with the remainder of the hour. And uh, lots of other stuff as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email, which we'll get to here in a few minutes. we got one more... Uh, Interesting case to talk about. We have a lot of interesting cases, John, yeah. but I'm going to pick one more so we can move That's on right. to the other emails that have been flooding us. Uh, so this comes from uh, a very nice man uh, from Pickering who's contacted me because he's been off work since November. Um, his uh, disability, shortened disability, ran out March 25th. Mm-hmm. Uh, his doctors, so he's on LTD, his doctors support him being off work. His oncologist has supported him being off work. Right. Okay, so he's battling cancer. Now, he cannot work due to fatigue from hormone therapy because of prostate uh, cancer. The therapy makes him extremely tired, Mm -hmm. extremely. Uh, Now, the insurance company is denying his LTD because they feel that fatigue is not a good enough reason, that they think that he should be going back to work. When I was talking with one of my associates about this case, You know, my associate and I were just dumbfounded because the issue is not the fatigue. The issue is that this man is battling cancer. So fatigue is a side effect. Big time. It's it's just, but it just kind of makes you, you know, just shake your head. I mean, for God, I mean. You're tired. Go back to work. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm tired too. Yeah, I didn't have coffee. No, this person is battling cancer. I mean, if you need something that is, you know, more clear cut, just, you know, look at the sun. I don't know. It's just, it's so obvious to me. You know, sometimes there's a quote. There's a famous quote uh, where um, I think it's the father of NASA once said, uh, he was asked a certain question and he said, well, do you really need to light a candle to see the sun? You know, sometimes things are so obvious. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, we advise this person that we can definitely help him with a claim. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if once we get involved and once this goes a bit higher up, the insurance company, they're going to turn around and forget about a settlement. They're going to say, how quickly can we reinstate this individual, right. put him back on benefits? Because, oh my God, is this a case where punitive damages 
you know, can be exacted from the insurance company. So again, to all of you out there, don't simply assume that if the insurance company is denying your claim or cutting you off, that they are in the right and you have no recourse. Oftentimes, you have a lot more options than you think you do. one 990 9646 is help at Chris writes in, says, uh, I have LTD with my employer, but there's another company that is deciding if I should be getting the LTD. They are saying that I will not qualify for LTD as of May 23rd, so it's already passed, which, or no, maybe next year, which is about uh, a year yeah, after I started getting the LTD. I don't know what to do, and if I should raise this with my employer or that company, my doctor says I'm still not ready to go back to work. Okay, Chris, so let's uh, dissect this. Uh, oftentimes, when you're getting LTD, you're getting it through one of the major insurance companies, Manulife, Desjardins, uh, Sun Life, you know, those kinds of companies. But sometimes you do have uh, companies, employers, usually major employers, I've dealt with a few banks that do this, where they are the ones paying you the LTD. But think about it. Your employer doesn't have the expertise to manage a disability claim. And so what happens is, is that they enter into what's called an ASO agreement, which is an administrative services only uh, agreement, where they're the ones paying you DLTD, right. but they have an insurance company like Sun Life, for example. Someone else is the custodian of the policy, They're yeah. administering yeah. it. They're the ones that have the expertise, the adjusters. Right. Uh, so, so that's what's happening here. And for people out there, hmm. if you're a bit confused about the relationship, just think about it this way. Your employer is not in the business of uh, adjudicating insurance claims. That's why they need expertise from the other side. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you have a valid claim for LTD because you've been cut off or denied, it doesn't mean you can't go after the insurance company, Mm -hmm. but we would have to probably involve both your employer as well as the other company. Uh, Now, this person is saying that uh, he won't qualify uh, for LTD as of May 23rd. So you raised the question, John, is it already passed or next year? You know, it's an interesting question. uh, And I I have no idea if Chris means that it's May uh, 23 that just passed or not, but I have had cases where the insurance company is projecting months and months and months yeah. into the future. Sometimes, you know, 10 months, even 12 months into the future that the person won't uh, meet the criteria for disability at that point. And I just, again, I think it's ludicrous. How, how would They don't have a crystal ball. How would they know? And so oftentimes I've used that to pin down the insurance company um, and argue punitive damages right. because how, you know, it's one thing for you to say, look, in a month from now, we're going to cut you off because we don't believe you meet the definition for total disability. It's another thing to say 10, 11, 12 months from now, yeah. you're not going to meet that. That's absolutely nonsense. Uh, and uh, by the way, Chris, you're saying your doctor says that you're not still not ready to go back. Well, then you do not go back. That's the most important sense. That's the, the most thing, important. Right? For me, that's the most important thing. If your doctors are saying that you cannot work and you tell me that you cannot work and you g- tell me why, uh, and your doctor explains why, then you have a case. You you have a case. For the insurance company to come back, turn around and say, we don't buy what your doctor is selling, they better have a pretty good explanation for questioning your own doctor's opinion. And they might send you to their doctor, which yeah, is absolutely. quite often the course. Right? It's quite often the situation. And many times there is, again, the discrepancy between what the defense doctor says who's and getting, what your doctor says. Who's getting says, paid by the insurance company. Who's getting paid by the insurance company. You got it. And has only seen you maybe once, yeah. right? As opposed to your treating physician or physicians who have been treating you for months, if not years. More of your emails, lots more stuff coming up. You want to uh, participate, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Reminder to check out the injury calculator. That is injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering really should be worth. The number one 888 anytime to get a hold of Savannah. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.
one 9646 is the number. It is help at the insurance lawyer.say. Let's get to uh, let's get to Josh here. I think we'll email. He says, I was in a car accident last year and have a paralegal helping me with my accident benefits. She said she has a lawyer she'll introduce me to closer to the two-year mark for my tort claim. Uh, what does that mean? I'm 49, have only been able to go back to work part-time hours to my accounting job. I think he means the difference between a paralegal and all of a sudden he's being flipped over to a lawyer. Yeah, so, um, you know, we do have, under the Law Society um, regulations, we have uh, licensed paralegals and, of course, licensed lawyers in Ontario uh, to help with uh, legal claims. Uh, And when it comes to car accidents, um, remember, car accidents generally have two components Mm -hmm. if you are injured, assuming somebody else is at fault for the accident. There is the accident benefits component. These are the benefits you're entitled to from your own insurance company or the insurance company of the vehicle you were in when you were injured. And those are also called no-fault benefits, meaning it doesn't matter if you were at fault or not. You're entitled to those benefits. Uh, And then you have what's called a tort claim. So if you were not at fault for the accident, someone else was at fault, whether it's the driver of your vehicle right. or a driver of another vehicle, then you could start a legal claim against that uh, other individual. With respect to accident benefits, your benefits, both paralegals, licensed paralegals, and lawyers can help you with that claim. Generally, it's paralegals who handle these kinds of claims. Not always, but generally. And tort claims, these are the legal claims against the at-fault drivers for compensation such as pain and suffering and other types of future type damages uh, generally, although some past benefits too, uh, those are handled by lawyers. Paralegals are not allowed because those are superior court uh, type claims. Now, what's concerning me, Josh, with your situation is that uh, the paralegal is telling you that she'll introduce you to a lawyer close to the two-year mark. So why two years? Because in Ontario, under the Limitations Act, you have two years from the date of the accident to start legal claims for compensation, with some exceptions. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I don't like it when somebody says, you know, I'm going to start the claim closer to the two-year mark, there's several reasons. One of which is that, first of all, if the accident happened last year, Josh, and you are still not able to go back to your full-time duties at work, that indicates to me, without even knowing more about your case, that you've suffered fairly significant injuries that are prohibiting you from going back to full-time work, which means that there is no reason to delay the tort claim. You should start that ASAP. One of the things that I I really hate when I see these kinds of cases drag on is exactly that. They drag on. There's no reason to wait to the two-year mark. The other thing is that, you know, again, lawyers are human, and uh, you could potentially be in a situation where through inadvertence, just because the paralegal is not working necessarily in the same office as the lawyer, maybe there's a miscommunication, maybe you don't start the claim, again, through inadvertence within the two-year mark, and then you are out of time to start a claim for compensation. So my rule is always uh, start the claim as soon as possible. You know, why not? Why wait for two years? You know, you wait for two years, that's just going to delay the resolution of your claim Mm -hmm. by two years. There is no reason for that. Uh, And and the other thing to consider is that even though there are a lot of paralegals out there who handle accident benefits claims, and then they introduce the injured individual to a lawyer down the road, in our firm at least, we have everyone working under the same roof. So again, the right hand knows what the left hand is doing and vice versa. Very, very important because we are coordinating both claims. Accident benefits claims and tort claims, they overlap. They overlap in terms of the amount of benefits you get, the type of benefits you get. Very, very important to make sure that nothing is missed. 
So Josh, I urge you to uh, uh, give me a call. Uh, I'll answer any questions you have. I don't want to disturb the relationship you have with your paralegal. I'm not suggesting that, but to the extent that you have other technical questions about your case, mm-hmm. I'll be more than happy to provide the answers. one 990 I'll squeeze this in with the last uh, couple minutes of this segment. That is, so um, how do you counter the insurance company's doctor that says disabled person's not that disabled or not saying what your doctor is saying? What do you do? Well, you know, we see that both in the context of disability claims, long-term disability, as well as in injury claims. Yeah. You know, whenever you start a legal claim against an insurance company um, or for an injury, uh, you know, the insurance company is allowed to have you seen by one of their own doctors, maybe even more than one doctor, depending on the type of injuries you're, you're complaining of. If you're complaining of a psychological injury and a, and a physical one, they may be able to send you to a psychologist, psychiatrist, right. and a physiatrist, for example. But the way to counter what the defense doctor is uh, saying, assuming that what they're saying uh, is not favorable to you, is, uh, you know, there are two ways to do that. Number one, you should be going through the report that's produced by the defense doctor and note any inaccuracies, any information in the report that is inaccurate, either about your medical history, about what you told the Can doctor. Can you send that to your doctor as well? A hundred percent. And that was, was going to be my next point. Yeah. Exactly. That you should actually have your own doctor's review the reports of the defense doctors, of the insurance doctors, and provide their commentary. And oftentimes what you'll find is you'll find your doctors, your treating doctors, not necessarily uh, contradicting the defense doctor's opinions head on, but providing context. Context that the insurance doctor doesn't necessarily have because they've only seen you this one time for half an hour or an hour. So very, very important for you to make sure that you go through the defense doctor's report with a fine-tooth comb, note up any inaccuracies, and that you get your own doctors to rebut those opinions, especially if those opinions are flawed. one 990 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce over to more of your emails after a quick break. And in the meantime, check out the Injury Calculator. The website is injurycalculator.ca as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is email. The one, in fact, Henry used. He wrote in. It says, uh, "My twenty two year old son was in a bad car crash last month and suffered bad injuries. He was in the hospital for a week and is being uh, followed by doctors for his head injury and severe uh, several fractures. Rather, me, his friend was driving and lost control of the car. Can my son make a claim for compensation? And what can he get?" Yes, uh, Henry, your son has uh, two types of claims, as we covered in the last segment, accident benefits um, through his own insurance company, or if he doesn't have auto insurance, through the insurance um, of the car that Mm -hmm. the friend was driving. And that's very important because, you know, if he suffered a head injury uh, and fractures, then his injuries are clearly not uh, within the minor injury guidelines. The MIG. The MIG, exactly. Uh, and, And that's something people need to understand that, you know, the way our insurance system works for car accidents is that if you are injured in a car accident and you didn't break anything or had a full tear or there's a whole bunch of other things, if you basically didn't suffer, quote unquote, severe injuries, as the insurance company likes to put it, then you will be categorized as a MIG, minor injury guideline, which means that you only get X amount of dollars for medical rehabilitation. Right. It's $3,500. And so just generally, your, your benefits are limited but clearly, um, Henry's son is beyond that, and so he has access to a lot more benefits, and it's very important to uh, access those benefits as soon as possible. Now, there is also going to be a tort claim, and you know, you were talking about a single car collision here. We're not talking about another car. Henry's son was the passenger. Right. 
because he wasn't driving the vehicle, he wasn't at fault for the accident, obviously. Yep. And so to the extent that his friend or whoever was driving the vehicle was negligent in the handling of the car, which caused the accident, Henry's son can start a tort claim against the driver and the driver's insurance company right. will respond. So very important to understand that when you start these kinds of claims, you know, it's not the individual per se that's going to pay you unless you know, you're talking about such severe uh, injuries that the policy limits are exhausted, right? Uh, so in, in this case, uh, Henry's son has two types of claims, accident benefits, as well as uh, a tort claim against the driver. I suggest that the claim gets started ASAP. I mean, this kid was in the hospital for over a week. I mean, that's, we're talking about severe, you know, types of, of injuries. Uh, Henry, I'll, I'll, I'll be more than happy to speak with you and your son, answer any questions that you have. Very, very important that uh, both claims get started as soon as possible uh, and that they're started correctly. I know someone out there is listening going, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm a passenger in the car. I get injured and I have to go to my own car insurance even though I wasn't driving my own car for accident benefits? That's correct. If you have your own auto insurance, right. exactly, then they're the ones who are going to pay you the accident benefits. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's just the way the law works. Sucks to be them. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not a broker, so I can't tell you if premiums right. are going to go up. But at the end of the day, when you're injured so severely, the last thing you're thinking about are premiums. Yeah, yeah, but if yeah. it wasn't your fault, it shouldn't be affecting your premiums anyways. Yeah. You know, get yeah. the advice of a broker. But uh, yeah, no, we're talking about generally very severe injuries uh, where I tell somebody, you know, don't even think twice. You have to start uh, these kinds of claims ASAP. You cannot delay. So what should a uh, disabled person ask their doctor to include in a report for, a, uh, for long-term disability insurance? Because you know they're going to want detail, right? Well, you know, it's funny you, uh, you asked me that because I literally had that question posed to me uh, on the My Disability Questions yeah. website this morning. And what I tell people is, look, when you're going to your treating doctors and you're applying for long-term disability uh, or you're trying to fight off a denial or a cutoff, what should you ask your doctor to put in? And it's a good. Why is it a good question? Because doctors want to help, particularly when they're saying themselves, you know, this person, my my patient, should not be going back to work, but they don't necessarily know what to put in there. They're not aware of of you know what does the policy require, uh, what's total disability, and and all that. And so, you really need to explain to your doctor, show them the provision in, in your insurance policy where it says here's what total disability is and get them to comment on your illness or your injury and why is it that you, you satisfy that test, not legally, but medically, right? Doctors may very well say to you, okay, John, you're asking me for a note saying you can't work. I'll give that to you, sure. And they sort of scribble something down. No, 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 that's not enough. They have to provide an explanation. And I'm not saying that they have to provide a war and peace novel, yeah, right. but they have to provide enough of a report, enough meat, enough context so that the insurance company, the adjuster, when they read the report, they say, okay, I understand the nature of the disability, how it's affecting the person's ability to work within their job or any other job, depending on the test. So very, very important that the doctor is aware of what you are asking for, mm -hmm. because if they produce a report that is not helpful to you, well, that's going to end up uh, in a situation, it's, it's, it's going to put you in a situation where the adjuster is going to say, well, you don't meet the definition of total yeah, disability, anymore. you don't qualify, we're going to deny our claim. Yeah. And I bet you that happens quite often. Very too, often. Right? Very, yeah. The miscommunication is a huge uh, problem here. And oftentimes we actually offer to clarify things. Again, no charge. I'll tell somebody, you know, if there is a, a miscommunication between your insurance company and your doctor, by all means, give me a call, email me, and I'll explain to you what you need to explain to your doctor. But but I just want to clarify something. You're, I'm not saying that you should go to your doctor and tell your doctor, write, you know, write X, Y, and Z. 
No, right. you just need to clarify with your doctor, make sure that your doctor understands what the insurance company is asking for. Never, ever tell the doctor, write this, okay? You're not allowed to tell your doctor. To, wow. Like, your doctor also has certain ethical and, and, and moral standards that he or she has to sure. uphold. But you want to make sure that there is no miscommunication, that your doctor understands what he or she needs to put down on paper to express themselves in a way that does help you with your claim. More of your emails coming up after a uh, quick break. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. It is help at the insurance lawyer.ca as well. The insurance industry law show. Talk radio, AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. You want to send an email and find out what your pain and suffering should be worth. Injury calculator.ca as well. Connie writes in, says I fell on ice uh, January eighth near my home in Ottawa and uh as I passed what? As I passed on? Oh, I passed by 7-Eleven. Gotcha. I fell on ice January 8th near my home in Ottawa as I passed by a 7-Eleven. Yummy, grab a Slurpee. Uh, they never solved the area, and I know other people fall there all the time. I broke my right knee, and I'm still on crutches. I work as a courier and haven't gone back to work. I'm wondering what my options are. My wife uh, took photos of the area and can send them to you. Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. No, it, it is brilliant. And yep. it's very, very important when you do have a slip and fall, particularly on ice yep. or there are hazards, make sure that you are somebody that you uh, can ask on your behalf, friends, family, go and take photographs. You know, especially in icy situations, going and taking photos a week later doesn't do you any good. Time sensitive. Right? Even the next day yep. is already problematic. The sooner, the better. Very, very important. Now, Connie says that uh, she broke uh, her knee is on crutches. Uh, the place there, uh, it's never salted. So that already tells me that there is a chronic issue there, chronic yeah. problem. I would want to find out from Connie a little bit more how does she know that it's never salted. I mean, is this one of those places she routinely goes? So, you know, in every slip and fall case, we try to analyze, was somebody negligent here? Was the 7-Eleven owners here negligent? Is this uh, city property? Is it a sidewalk maintained by the city? In which case, you got 10 days to advise in writing the city clerk that you're going to start a claim for compensation. You know, right knee fractures, those are very, very serious. Oftentimes result down the road in knee replacements, revision Mm. uh, knee replacements. We're talking about, you know, injuries that uh, will affect this person for the rest of their lives. I don't know how uh, this affects, actually, no, I do know. She writes in, she works as a courier. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're talking about a potential income loss here. Remember we talked at the beginning of the show? <clears throat> the injury calculator and how yep. it so she can go on the injury calculator literally plug in this information broke my knee uh, had surgery yeah. not had surgery whatever calculator Does it is going to job you, yes you got it and yeah. it's going to tell her how much she can expect to get for pain and suffering but here we have the component of income loss so let's do a simple example let's say that the calculator tells her that she can get 50 to 60,000 dollars for pain and suffering what if what if she's earning $50,000 a year as a courier, as an example? Mm-hmm. And what if she can't work for three years? Just as an example. Yeah, knee replacement. Suddenly, so you're, so dealing, yeah, suddenly you're dealing with $150,000 for income loss yep. and $50,000 potentially for pain and suffering. You see how the income loss component of the claim can dwarf oh, yeah. the pain and suffering component. Very, very important to understand. But we have to do our due diligence. We have to make sure we figure out who owns the area, who maintains the area, and the fact that it happened across a 7-Eleven, that doesn't mean 7-Eleven is the owners there are responsible. Maybe there is a winter maintenance contractor. Subcontractor. You know, subcontractor, exactly. This is why we have to start the process as soon as possible. Connie, I'm really happy that you emailed. Get in touch with me after the show, and I'll explain a lot more of what needs to be done. And then you decide if you want to start a claim for compensation or not.
I never pressure anyone. You don't have to sign anything. As long as you know what your legal options are and can make an informed decision as to how you want to mm-hmm. proceed, it's up to you how you choose to proceed. Nicely done in the photos too. That's key. It's good yeah, to have it's especially fantastic. nice, right? Yeah, yeah, and also, Connie, make sure that you uh, keep whatever footwear you had. Okay, because really? I can guarantee you the insurance company is going to ask what were you wearing, so don't dispose of those. Very, wow. very important. So most important uh, documents you need to have for an LTD case. All right, most important things. When I somebody contacts me, I, I tell them, I, I want to see any letters that uh, you received from the insurance company um, cutting you off from LTD or denying your claim or if you're just having difficulties with them. I want to see what the insurance company has written you. I want to see your LTD policy. Uh, if you are a unionized worker, I want to see the collective agreement. Some collective agreements will allow me to help you, and some of wow. them are more restrictive where I can't. Most of the time, I can help you, but I need to see that. Uh, and uh, again, depending on whether we're dealing with a situation like insurance company cutting you off because of what their doctors are saying, you know, that they're saying that you can work, well, I want to see the doctor's report if you have it, right? Uh, and of course, goes without saying that if you are calling me or emailing me about an LTD case, I want to see any reports mm-hmm. you have from your doctors. I want to see what your doctors are saying, how they are explaining to the insurance company why you cannot work. And I'll tell you, John, it literally takes me a few minutes to skim through all of these, ask a few basic questions on the phone, right? Nobody needs to come to yeah. my office. We do this across the province in Ontario. And I can tell people, you have a case or you don't have a case. Here are your legal options. And then, again, they can choose what they want to do. And the best part is, once you get involved, the phone calls stop. They stop. The you you do it. not deal with the insurance company once we get involved. It's all on us. All you hear from is just me and my team. You do not deal with the adjuster anymore. Good for another week, my friend. You want to get a hold of Savan? Very simple. The number anytime, one 990 9646 is help at the That's where we're pulling all the emails from for this show and other ones. The injury calculator, we mentioned it several times during the show in detail, how to find out what your pain and suffering should be, injurycalculator.ca. And uh, go through some quick questions, five of them, as a matter of fact, for fightformyltd.com. There is a wealth of information on the website with all these calculators and phone numbers, so use it and keep them to, uh, to have with you. At all times, until next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here. It's Talk Radio AM 640.